0: some old Christ for the Nation stuff that I, when I was, you know, really about one year in the Lord, I just had a cassette tape, and I played that everywhere I went, and so I have some old Christ for the Nation stuff, but what's, uh, uh, the, the old Calvary song that I used to love, uh, I waited for the Lord on high, I waited for the Lord on high, yeah, that was, that was a good one, all right, well, Turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 31. We're moving forward. Hey, it's like a herd of turtles, but we're moving. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. So before we do this, um, I had an interesting conversation with my son Matthew in relationship to uh, the names of the Kids that were being born to Leah and Rachel and their uh, maid handmaidens, which become wives to Jacob. And so, I pulled up an old—I uh, think I did—and I pulled up an old uh, kind of study guide from yeah. one guy. He's an old Calvary Chapel guy. I like those guys. Anyway, so here I'm going to read the names and what they mean, and then I'm going to just do a quick correlation to what I would call not only Israel's history, but Israel's present and Israel's future, and just kind of a picture, if you would. It's uh, maybe I wouldn't go as far as to say it's prophetic in that, but it's it's just an interesting picture. We saw in Genesis five, if you remember our study in Genesis five, where we saw the names from Adam to Noah, and it really is in their names. Um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Transliteration uh, is the gospel message, and so seeing that, uh, one might uh, put a little bit of stock in this. I think I mean it's it's worthy. So Reuben uh, means looked. And there's also a sense of affliction. Simeon, hearing or heard. Levi, husband or joined. Judah praise. Dan judged and/or judgment. Naphtali, wrestlings or prevailed and/or prevailed. Uh, Gad, truth or com- er, troop cometh. Asher happy, Issachar, hired, or service, Zebulun, dwelling, Joseph, adding, and Benjamin, who comes later, uh, is interesting in that Rachel names him uh, Ben-Oni, which means son of my agony or sorrow, son of sorrow, son of agony, and then later, his name is changed by Jacob to Benjamin, which is son at my right hand. And so some interesting thoughts. Uh, let me reopen this. Uh, so, kind of the history piece. Uh, Reuben, Simeon Levi, is looked. So in Egypt, Moses looked affliction, uh, heard my cry when Yahweh was joined, uh, then uh Passover, and so this first four is kind of their wilderness experience, er, excuse me, in Egypt. Then they move into wilderness where there was judgment in the wilderness. There's uh, Mirabah. There were wrestlings and yet prevailed at uh, Amalek. Then moving into the land, the promised land, a troop cometh. uh, The nations that opposed Israel they were like a troop that came. Uh, then they overthrew, so Asher, they were happy. Uh, they had occupation, so they were there uh, doing their service. Occupation, they were doing their dwelling. And then future, or kingdom, uh, Joseph, there, there's adding. And this is an interesting piece with Joseph. In fact, Frank, I think we talked about, you mentioned that even last week. Uh, Joseph goes down to Egypt. We'll see this in the week's perhaps months to come, but uh, Joseph goes down to Egypt, right? Because of him and his brother's envy, he is put into a pit and then pulled out of a pit and uh, sold to a, a band of Ishmaelites, and he ends up down in Egypt, and you know the story. Well, he ultimately marries a Gentile bride and has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And at the very end of Jacob's life, he says to Joseph, uh, your sons will be numbered with my sons. And in other words, I'm taking them, I'm adopting them in. So he adopts in these two Gentile sons as his sons. And that's like the church or the body of Christ being grafted in with spiritual Israel. And so we see this picture. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture because that's us. And we're in. And it's the work of God. And uh, it's because of Ben-Oni, son of sorrow, suffering Messiah who died on the cross, opening up a window of time that was a mystery to all the patriarchs, this thing called the church era and the Gentiles coming in, and then uh, son at my right hand. Uh, the beauty is uh, we will all be there someday in the near future. So I just thought that was an interesting correlation. Don't, don't put too much stock into that, but if you want to do a further study on that, you should certainly can. That would be good. Um, Okay, so we've seen uh, chapter 30, all the kids, and then we see Jacob makes an arrangement with Laban. Uh, Jacob's ready to go after 14 years. He's like, my time, my service is done, and uh, Laban says, hey, I'm certainly blessed because I've seen that God is blessing you, and I'm reaping the benefit here, so please stay. Please stay. Name your wages. And so Jacob names his wages, and he stays, and he stays uh, six years, six more years. Uh, And so we come to chapter 31. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all this wealth. Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock. And he said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock from your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the uh, flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up. Or lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. Let me stop here for just a moment. So, how beautiful that the Lord is taking care of, even in the midst of his affliction, his wages being changed some ten times. And we will see in, really, Jacob's life, he has learned some integrity, right? The, The deceiver who has reaped what he has sown and has been deceived, really, time and time and time again by Laban, he's met his match, so to speak, in Laban. But it's in that process that God is routing out, really, this deception in him, and he has functioned with some amazing integrity and character in relationship to his Uncle Laban. And so it's a, it's a and we'll, we'll hear a little bit more of his defense in the, in the next handful of verses. But what I love about this is he's also discovering something uh, in the midst of this, Remember in the preceding chapter when he had made this arrangement with Laban to stay another handful of years and his wages were going to be the speckled and the streaked and the uh, spotted rams or lambs that would be born, he would do some things. Remember, he would strip the bark from the poplar and he would put them, and when the stronger ones came to uh, mate, he would put these. Streaked pieces of wood in front of them, and it's. I think the piece that's interesting to me is sometimes in our lives we implement what we think is our highest and best ingenuities and try and we we're, we're doing what is in our hands to do, so to speak, and we're putting our best foot forward. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one whose blessings will prevail. So. Almost regardless what we do, God's hand is upon, and so God blesses. And uh, we see Jacob is the recipient. uh, Jacob is being blessed by the Lord. And so God's doing, not Jacob's doing. And uh, I don't know about you, if you're you're a person who is engaged in farming and that kind of a thing, I'm not, I don't understand anything about the, I mean, I get the breeding side of things, but I don't know how to do, and bring forth speckled or streaked, no idea. I'm not sure shepherds even really know what they're doing. But he did what he thought, and God moved. And so there's a, there's a certain element of faith there as well, that God will take care of those who deal righteously. And so God does do that. And so we see Jacob is blessed. Now, God has given him some instruction. He has told him, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Uh, Who was there when Jacob did that? God. So when in this dream, now the angel of the Lord, God, the pre-incarnate Christ is talking to him. He knows who this is, because there was only one there who saw him anoint the pillar, and that was God. And so he recognizes this is nothing less than the voice of the Lord. And he says, now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. Verse 14, then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? What we're going to begin to see here is really the character of Laban. The character of Laban versus the character of Jacob. So the, the daughter saying, Look, you worked seven years for one and seven years for another, and those were dowries, and all of those wages that would have otherwise been paid to you was supposed to be put on an account for us. And what those dollars would it what those dollars are for is if something should happen to Jacob, that money is there for the girls to sustain them for their years. It's a dowry. Now, Dad's consumed it. Verse 15. And We are not, uh, are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us, also completely consumed our money. For all of the riches which God has taken from our father, let me read that again, for all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. So the girls are like, hey, dad, has not treated us well. He's even treating us like strangers, but he has consumed not only the dowry, but everything that would have been ours otherwise, it's gone. Our money has been used. And so they said, Jacob, what, what God has said, do. Verse 17, Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained, and in Padanaram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. We'll come back to that verse in just a moment. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban, the Syrian in that he did not tell him what he in that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. So Rachel, uh, she's also doing something um, kind of unprescribed. She's taking something that doesn't belong to her. It's interesting that uh, just by way of note, sometimes when we have been done wrong, uh, we can seek justification and we can get our own hands involved in it and we can, th- we can feel validated for doing something wrong because we had been wronged. My mom used to say to me, two wrongs never make a right. And uh, here, she has felt wronged. Dad has consumed everything, so she's taking something from dad. Now, the value of these foreign gods, they're called teraphim, and teraphim, it's plural, and they are, they are gods. They are idols, if you will. There have been archaeological digs, in fact, one that was very specific in 1925 uh, on through, I think, 1931, where they unearthed documentation that the teraphim actually were like title deeds. And the possessor of that teraphim could lay claim to property as a result. And it's interesting because we're going to see a little bit later in the story that Laban realizes without his teraphim or his title deeds, he needs to fix the scenario in another way. And they're going to set up a mound of rocks and they're going to make a covenant that they're not going to pass those lines. Because in his heart, he's thinking, look, Jacob, you stole that which belongs to me, and your possession of those, when I'm gone, you could come back, and that which would be an inheritance to my kids, you would have legal claim to. And that's his, he's thinking, man, I've been underhanded again. And so these have been taken by Rachel. So we come to verse 22. And Laban was uh, told on the third day that Jacob had fled. So he took his brethren uh, with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God. Classic line. But God. Amen. We all appreciate the but God moments in our life, no matter the circumstances. But God. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob, and now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. (laughs) I mean, come on, right? This is the guy who's like, hey, stay. I'm blessed because of you. Oh, by the way, let me change your wages so I benefit and you don't. And now he's saying, hey, had you told me, I would have done and could have done all these things. Well, I think his character is probably well known and what someone says uh, might be able to be uh if it's not commiserate with the facial expression you one might begin to wonder hmm i'm not so sure about this and certainly jacob could see that and so he's like no we're out god said go and it's time to go and so now laban is here and he is uh chastising jacob verse 28 and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. Uh, perhaps you've been ridiculed uh, for obedience. When God speaks to his children, his children need to obey. And when the world doesn't understand, does that mean that we change our behavior, or do we continue in obedience? We continue in obedience. We are not here for a popularity contest. We are here to obey the Lord. And so Jacob did right. Even though Laban, who is a type of the world, says, you've done foolishly. I just want to encourage all of us to walk in obedience to the Lord. Uh, The world will not understand, and the world cannot understand because these things are spiritually discerned. And so he says, Uh, And he says, uh, you've done foolishly, foolishly in so doing. Verse 29, it is in my power to do to you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. I love that he has like this idle threat. Hey, I could have done you harm, man. For you, God stepped in, right? You know, and so it's uh, he—he's bold in his words, and yet he is uh, tempered by God for sure. And he says, "And now you surely, uh, excuse me, uh, verse thirty. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Now it's interesting, based on those." archaeological finds, if the teraphim actually are indicative of some title deed associated with property, what was Laban's real pursuit about? Was it about the kids? Was it about his daughters? Was it about the cattle? Or was it really about his land? My suspicion is, it's about his stuff, right? Yeah, (laughs) ding, 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 right? I mean, that's, hello... And uh, it's, it's kind of coming out now. He's like, I could have even harmed you, but God's protecting you. Hey, but why did you really? You left. You stole my stuff. And you're going to try and underhandedly take it from me later, from my, from my boys. And so, why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters, from me by force with whomever you find uh, your gods do not let them live now remember jacob has no idea that rachel has done this he has no idea and so he is like he's now hey amen i've dealt with you in nothing less than integrity in fact we're going to see as he gives his defense in a few moments he's gone above and beyond what would be normal integrity And so he says, uh, I was afraid. and said, perhaps uh, you would take your daughters from me by force. So with whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent. It's interesting that... uh, goes into Jacob's tent first, like, you scoundrel, I'm going to find these things, right, and so he goes into Jacob's tent, and he searches, uh, then he goes into Jacob's tent, verse 33, uh, and then into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them, then he went into, or er, he went out of Leah's tent, and entered Rachel's tent, now Rachel had taken the household idols, but put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the ten, but did not find them. Have you Have you ever been certain that someone did something, and then in the process of trying to discover or trying to prove it, you find each, each sequential moment you're <laughs> realizing, I'm losing credibility, I'm losing credibility, I'm losing credibility, and the probability of me now discovering is getting weaker, 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 weaker. Laban's running out. He's not finding them. He's made bold accusations publicly, and now he's coming up empty. So now he's got he's got all kinds of things that are probably working in him personally, and so he searched about the tent, did not find them. And she said to her father, "Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me." Uh, she's on her period. <laughs> That's what she's claiming, and. Uh, <laughs> There's an uncleanness associated with that, and so she says, "Hey, I can't, I can't stand." And uh, and he searched, but did not find the household items. Verse thirty six, and again, Laban, he, he's empty, he's empty. His accusation, and in this case, accurate, but he couldn't find what he was looking for, and so he has nothing. And so now Jacob is going to uh, give his rebuttal. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before me, or before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. And so now he's beginning to say, Look, when I managed your stuff, I managed your stuff well, to your favor. To your, I didn't even eat of the flock. That which was torn by beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. In other words, when a beast would take an animal, what the shepherd would do would be to go get the carcass and take the carcass to the owner so that the shepherd didn't have to pay for the lost sheep. Jacob says, I just took the loss. I didn't even go bring the carcass to you. I just ate the loss." So you weren't out. This was a blessing to you. This is how I dealt with you. I dealt righteously with you. You required it from my hand. Laban, oh, well, how many sheep are here today? A hundred or ninety-nine? They're supposed to be a hundred. All right, I'm taking that out of your wages. That's what Laban, Laban, you required it of me. I didn't require justification. I just let you do what you do whether stolen by day or stolen by night. You required it by my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day uh, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. (laughs) It put a few things into perspective. Look, (laughs) God's vindicated, and God's rebuked you. And so God is the one who is being judged. Uh. and Laban, Laban, his colors are being revealed. There's a reality for all of us. Be sure your sins will find you out. And in Laban's scenario, his, his misdealings and his mishandling and his really deceitfulness is now coming about, and the Lord is bringing rebuke. Verse 30, or er, excuse me, verse 43. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, <laughs> this is, this is classic. This is this is this is grasping. Remember, remember this too. Jacob has just said, hey, whatever is from your household that is yours, you put it out here. And your brethren and my brethren will judge between us. And so these are now, these are like empty words, but man, he's grasping. He says, These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. And this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jager Saha Dutha, and Jacob call it, called it Galid, uh, or I don't know how to pronounce that properly, but I can tell you this: it's <laughs> neither do you. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, but it is interesting to note that Laban calls it in its Aramaic name, and Jacob in its Hebrew name. And again, that just is indicative in my heart that Laban is really a type of the world, and he uses this Aramaic term. uh, What it really means is a heap of witness. Uh, And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called uh, Galiad. Also Mizpah. Uh, Mizpah means watchtower, by the way. And we'll see what the intent of this heap is in a moment. Uh, and it and it really is interesting because it would appear that Laban is still trying to be protective of that which he believes is his and belonging. And he's trying to make sure that Jacob cannot obtain something uh, under false pretense. Like maybe somehow, maybe Jacob buried those teraphim somewhere down the road under a tree, and he's just going to go later get them, have them with him, and when Laban's gone, he's going to go back and take that land. That's potential process, if you will. And so he's going to create some level of protection. Also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord now watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. And it's, uh, this, is, this is somewhat derogatory. <laughs> It's just and say, hey, God's watching you, man. God's watching you. And in a way, he's internally knowing, hey, God's watching me too, so I'm going to behave. I need to behave. But it is somewhat derogatory. He's still in an accusatory manner. Uh, God went, God, uh, let's see. Get it, ooh, I lost my place. Uh, thank you, 49. Also, Miss. my Ma- uh So God will watch us uh, when we're absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives besides my daughter, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness. I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor and the God of their father judge between us and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac and Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread and they ate bread and they stayed all night on the mountain and early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his son, his sons, and his daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned to his place. And so we find that uh, Laban, he's caught them. He's made his accusation. He's really been looking for the title deeds, if you will, of his property. He's a little bit distraught about how things have transpired, but nevertheless, God has uh, vindicated, and Jacob has grown. We've just seen Jacob. Grow spiritually. There's been maturity in his life, and uh, th- that's an encouragement to me. First of all, it didn't happen overnight. Number one, there's there's a 20-year period that has transpired, and he is growing, and there's this process of growth. And I think for each one of us in the Lord, that God will God will grow us up. Let's let's be patient, but let's learn from all of the experiences that life brings our way. We we saw. Uh, How many of us, in verse 40, would have loved these circumstances? Uh, There I was in the day, by the drought, uh, or in the day, the drought consumed me. And the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Anybody want to sign up for that set of circumstances? No, those were not easy. Those were hardships. And just sitting in this room, if we took a quick inventory of, each of our lives, we'd all have levels of hardship that we no one would really wish on anyone, and no one would really want to take and trade our places. There's hardships, and we face hardships, but God is in the midst of those. And he is refining, and he is processing, and he is working, and he is working good. He is working good. We all would say there's circumstances in our lives that in our, f- in our first assessment of them, we would say, that was not good. That was not good time things that come out of even the most difficult of circumstances God can produce good in us and through us and around us and so in Jacob's life we certainly see this okay so we come to chapter 32 Uh, this is uh, Jacob is now on his way and he is uh, he is moving and this is an interesting portion of scripture so Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him That's something. When Jacob saw them, he says, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. So Jacob is moving in obedience. Moving in obedience. We saw in the life of Abraham, when finally Abraham came to a place of perfect obedience. When did that happen? Remember he had the initial revelation in chapter 12 of Genesis. Depart from your father's house and your family. What did he do? He took dad and nephew with him. They make their way to Haran, which is in the north, not the land that God had called them to. They w- he waited till his father passed then took Lot to the land of Canaan and remember there was famine, they go down to Egypt, they make their way back to Canaan, and then there's conflict because there was growth in both sets of flock. So let's separate Lot, lest we have conflict. Lot separates. Now Abraham is in complete obedience. And what happens? Revelation. He gets another revelation. Here we see something very similar. Jacob is now on his way, and he is in obedience to that which God has called. And God shows up. Now, uh, Mahanaim is uh, a statement of two, uh, two places or double camp, two camps, and very similar occurrences. And it's, there's almost a wordplay here. These angels of God, another translation for angels is messengers messengers of God and it's almost like he's getting a understanding of some pattern maybe that he can implement in his pursuit you know that his return to Esau the last time he was with Esau he was discovering that Esau wanted to take his life that if dad was going to pass certainly Esau had said and spoken out loud after the mourning of dad I'm killing you. That's, you're dead. And so now he's returning to his brother Esau, and he's like, I don't know about this. And so he's engaged with angels of God who met him, and what does he do next? He sends messengers as well. So he has messengers from God who meet him, and now he's going to send messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. Verse 4. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 6. Then the messengers, let me stop, let me stop. Some lessons need to be instilled time and time and yet time again. Uh, God would have taken care of Abraham had he remained in Canaan. He didn't need to go down to Egypt. He went down to Egypt, but God would have taken care of him. God told Isaac, "Don't, don't go to Egypt. I will take care of you. He has taken care of Jacob he has vindicated Jacob. And for whatever reason, fear has this way of just kind of creeping in. And so he's like, I have this ability to send you gifts to somehow appease you. But wasn't the promise still with Jacob? Didn't God already say to Jacob these things? Didn't he say, I will be with you? Didn't he call him to go back? He did. And yet, it's fear. Fear certainly has, fear is a motivator, right? Fear is a motivator, and he seems highly motivated here. So, the messengers return, verse 6, to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming to meet you, and 400 men with him. (laughs) So whatever Jacob may have been thinking, Before the messengers returned, I'm going to send a couple messengers ahead, let them know that we have all of this accumulation of stuff, and we want to appease him. Now the messengers come back with this message. Guess what? Esau's coming to meet you, and he's bringing 400 men with him. (laughs) If there was a fear motivation over here, I think his fear has just hit a logarithmic growth. I mean, he's like, and so... Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal with I will deal well with you I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies let me stop here for just a moment two quick thoughts number one call on the name of the Lord call on the of distress when you and I are afraid let's call on the Lord let's, let's make that our practice God is our defender I would use the name Jehovah Rumi God our defender he is our defender remember this Galatians three nine. we are blessed with believing Abraham what did God say to Abraham Abraham do not be We are blessed with believing amen. All of the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. They are ours in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Fear not. And when fear fears its ugly head and we we feel it coming on, call on the name of the Lord. Let's call on the Lord. Watch God step in. He's the God who sees. We've seen that. He's the God who hears, we've seen that. He's the God who knows, Exodus will remind us that. And he's the God who comes down and delivers. His people. Praise be to God, he is our defender. So, then the second thing, he calls on the name of the Lord and he reminds the Lord certainly of the promise that was made to him, but he recognizes his position. I am not worthy. I'm I'm the least uh, uh, unworthy. The mercies and all of this truth that you have shown me, I'm undeserving. He approaches the Lord with absolute humility recognizes. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. It's you, God. It's you. And so, verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well. And now he's saying this twice. Remember said that. Hey, remember, God, you said that. I want us to know and be reminded that it's okay to rehearse the things. That's as much for us as it is. God doesn't need his to be reminded. Right? Everybody recognize that? God doesn't need to be reminded. We often need to rehearse. This is what God has said. This is what the promise is. But faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God so those promises to remember those promises and so he says it again uh, for you said I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for, uh, for multitude so he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present uh, for Esau his brother 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels uh, with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, uh, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going, and whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, In this matter you shall speak to Esau when you find him. (laughs) And also, behold, your servant Jacob is behind you. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. Now, he's sending these gifts in droves, wave after wave after wave. And his heart is that he would somehow again appease now, this is somewhat like uh, his earlier behavior at the troughs with the sheep. He's peeling bark, and he's got some poplar, and he's doing this work. Well, he's now, how can, I, how can I make this work to my benefit? And so he's uh, sent these things ahead to appease his brother. So we come to verse 22, and it says, And he, ro- he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he could not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to them, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name. And he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, uh, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. So here he is by himself again, and a man shows, and he wrestles with this man. Uh, This is a Christophany. He is wrestling with Christ prior to his incarnation. And In the midst of this wrestling, note that it was all night. This was not a simple scrimmage of a fight. This was something that was an engagement all night long. Uh, Verse 25 says, now when he, uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, saw that he did not prevail against him, touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he, Jesus said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So he said to them, what is your name? Now this is not a uh, statement of, uh, I don't know what your name is. it's It's a statement of Tell me what your name is because I'm about to tell you what your name is going to be. Um, it's not a question mark. It's not like, re- remember back in the Garden of Eden? Adam, where are you? <laughs> he knows where Adam is. But it's, uh, do you know what your name means? Adam, do you know where you are? Do you realize you're hiding? Does that make sense? And so he's saying, Jacob, do you know Do you know what your name is? That's no longer what your name is going to be. And so, he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. The name Israel, uh, literal, literal translation, prince with God. It has prince as a possible root, but... Uh, strive or struggle with God principle. I've seen others that w- would even bring it under to this idea of struggle but not prevailed and so governed by God. In other words, God has prevailed and broken the spirit, but there's a princely thing in it. Uh, and so a complex name. I love that the disposition of the nation. The nation has struggled with its theocracy. And it's interesting, uh, and as we progress through the Old Testament, we'll we'll discover that uh, there was even in it, God in his infinite wisdom had planned for a, a monarchy, an earthly monarchy. He had planned for it remember he said kings are in your loins in reference to Judah and so that was way way before the monarchy but what happened with the children of Israel hurry up give us a king now right and so God gave him Saul the Benjamin right not even not even of the tribe of Judah and there's reasons for that and we'll look at that in another day but So he's not asking, I don't know what your name is. I know what your name is, but your name is no longer going to be Jacob. It's Israel. Struggled with God. Governed by God, if you will. Up to and including that. And so Jacob asked, verse 29, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he crossed over Penuel, Peniel, 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 the same, uh, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. And thus he was Forever. sometimes things happen in our lives and we're forever changed. Let's not despise some of those that God might be doing a work in us. Um, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And Paul prayed three times. This, this is Paul. stretches himself over a dead body and they're raised from the dead. I mean, th- Paul, magnanimous prayer. But for himself, he prayed, take this thorn from my side. And God spoke to him and said, my my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. And so sometimes, sometimes, uh, God will mar the man to make the man. Mar the man to make the man. And, uh, our opportunity is to not despise uh, the work of the Lord, uh, but to recognize that he's God and he is at work and he is doing. And so, Jacob is forever changed, and he is uh, discovering the governing of God Almighty. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, is the God of Jacob, and he is coming under that authority. Well, we come to the conclusion of chapter 32. Uh, Chapter 33 is going to introduce us to uh, their their meeting, and chapter 34... uh, next Sunday night, we'll also see uh, the story of Dinah. So uh, for us, what about you? Are you wrestling with the Lord over some things in your life? Is there some things in your life where perhaps the flesh is still prevalent and you are still leaning on your own understanding of things? I want to encourage all of us to... Uh, let the Lord prevail. Let the Lord have his work and his way. James reminds us to let patience have its perfect work. And uh, we're oftentimes in a hurry. God, change it now. Uh, and God's in a process. Or sometimes we're saying, God, get your hands off. Don't mess with this. This is my thing. And God really wants to do a work in that area. And so uh, rather than striving against or wrestling with God, let's, let's learn to walk in cooperation with the Lord and knowing that he loves us and he has what's best for us. Um, just encourage you in that area. If the conviction of the Spirit of God is anywhere in your life where he's just pointing out maybe it's a heart condition, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a disposition towards someone, it could be a number of different things we got a lot working in our hearts, and the Spirit of God is working in us. Thanks be to God, and he's bringing conviction in our lives. And if there's an area of conviction, yield to the Lord. Yield to the Lord, and watch what God does. He does good, amen? Amen. He is causing all things to work to the good of those who are the called in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, let's stand. It's 725. We'll get done a couple minutes early tonight. Opportunity to fellowship for a few moments. and. Go pick up some kids, and then those who are sticking around for some basketball will have some good fellowship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Jacob. Thank you, Lord, for the growth that we have seen in his life. Uh, thank you, Father, for the lessons that still speak to us even to this day. Thank you, Lord, that we... Your word says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Lord, as we walk alongside Jacob, may we glean wisdom. It has been said, a wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from someone else's mistakes. Certainly we have seen in the lives of Isaac and Abraham, uh, Jacob's lineage. Now we see also in Jacob these opportunities for us to glean. These things happened and they were written down for our admonition. Lord, may we receive your admonishment, and may we learn, and may we grow wiser because we've walked alongside these men. Help us, transform us, and may, Lord, you, may we establish your lordship in our lives. God, we love you, and we praise you, and ask your blessing and benediction. In Jesus' name, everyone said a strong amen. Amen. amen the Lord bless you.